With traffic, errands, and parking, cars can be a chore. But a great car can be an adventure, a getaway, and a prized possession. Whatever your budget or family require, there's a car out there you'll love. We're here to help you find it. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. It's Friday, and something is happening that's never happened, honestly, in the history of the show. Mm. We're trending. <laughs> that's trending a ridiculous in one sentence. place. We are trending in one, one place, and that's why I'm laughing. Only. This is why I'm sharing it, is because according to GoFundMe, we are currently trending. I actually just thought. I hadn't looked <laughs> I in a couple days. That. We talked about this on the last podcast. I looked right before we recorded, because I just thought, let's see how we're doing. You guys like this idea of adding to my fate and fails with uh, a pickle fork disaster for Paul. Oh, yes. Yes, yes. adding a, a quattroporte. I, I love it. I've loved it our, since the inception. To I our just, sedans. I mean, yeah, look, they were just too expensive. You see, I have I have altered the GoFundMe. The GoFundMe has got new information so you guys understand the info. Even cheaper, more We've dangerous quattroportes. We've put ten grand That's as our right. figure on there. Look, I'll be honest with you. We've said it before. If we get above eight, we're going to do this. I'd really like ten or above to be kind of comfortable for the show because this – Why? So you're going to play suspension on your – Baton? I don't. Hey, I'll drive it with with one with one wheel on the ground. I've come up with the license tags for both our cars. I'll drive already. it like a kneeling bus. Here's my Phaeton. You're going like to have to. Probably, probably going to. <laughs> That's yeah. why they're selling it because it's a kneeling bus. <laughs> Just it kneeled and won't get back up again. Your license tag will be P H A I L. <laughs> Mine will be just four door, just four dash door. They're because, perfect. I like this. People will be like, yeah, well, yeah. I'm like, no, 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 no. Italian. We really. The, I hey. I'm not a big personalized license plate guy, but I think we should get both of those. Here's Absolutely. the ridiculousness. We want to buy cheap cars. You guys want to help us. Then we're going to spend extra money just to get ridiculous license plates, and I still will laugh. Exactly. Uh, thank and you, Then guys. we'll give them back to you guys. Thank you guys for liking this idea as we've altered it. Uh, the, the concept is a, a Phaeton for me because I've been talking cheap Phaetons for a while, mm-hmm. and a pickle fork Maserati Quattroporte for Paul so Grr. he can rage about it every time it breaks. Or even, frank, frankly, probably when it starts, it, you'll, you'll well, still yeah. rage. Well, they do sound nice. They I do sound That is their, one of their best it's things. It's the Ferrari that block, and, the engine note. Yes. and that's yes, as yes. much Ferrari as it has in it, but still, I, they do sound lovely. So keep in mind. And for the next uh, couple of weeks, we are going to keep that GoFundMe. And if we break the $8,000 uh, thing, then I guess you and I have to do something at that point. We actually have to do we have something to use about the money this. to go buy these. But uh, we really are heaps. hoping to get to, to ten grand or above because that would help us a lot to get this done because we expect there will be money spent to keep those cars running. But there will also be a lot of content, YouTube stuff, TV stuff. I just am laughing. I, I didn't mean to start the podcast again with this, but we're trending According to GoFundMe, I, yeah, I'm that's shocked amazing. by that. So thank well, you guys. Thanks to all of you guys. Thank listening. you guys for sure, for yeah. sure. So that's very cool. So hopefully that'll continue, and then madness will follow. Let's be honest. Speaking of madness, you and I were doing ten minutes of podcast before we got ourselves kind of rallied well, together enough we could actually do the podcast. Two car debates. We've got one for Ben in Kansas, and we've got another one coming up uh, after the break for Joseph on, uh, on Long Island. Many cool questions. In fact, more questions we're going to get to. That reminds me. Reminds mm, me. What mm. podcast number is this? Four. Four, four, four. Four, four, four. four. At 4.50, we're doing all questions. And Yes, right, right. A couple of things we've been talking about, Paul and I, because who else was talking in this conversation? Uh, Paul and I were talking about the I fact actually that am at, sitting the, here. at the 100 marks now, we're going to continue what we did at 400, which is we're going to do a live podcast. We're going to start picking locations at, at the 100 uh, intervals. We're going to go to somewhere and do a live podcast, so not necessarily right here. We're, we're talking about a location already for 500, but... Because of the nature of those live podcasts, it's not really the right venue to just do all questions and none of them are about cars. 
we make it really fluid. Maybe there's a car debate. If you listen to the 400, maybe there's a car debate. There's questions from the audience. There's questions from the, sure, the live stream. Sure. It, it goes all over the place. So that has taken away where we normally did our all questions but no car questions podcast. So welcome to the new 50 intervals. Mm. At 4.50, mm-hmm. it's going to be all questions, no cars. Yeah, So exactly. keep that in mind. That's exactly. coming up. But we should do like a normal podcast while we're here. I think we should. We're jumping in. I have a couple of quick notes here about some things that we have covered previously on podcasts. To our friend Grand Tournay Connoisseur on Instagram, an update on that brake pad comparison test mm-hmm. that I asked everybody to write about. Chris S. did. Thank you, Chris. And there was a test done by Grassroots Motorsports Magazine back in the October 2011 issue on page 78. Somebody actually scanned this and posted it on M. M3post.com, the M3 forums, M3post.com forums, and it's under the heading Blind Brake Pad Test. So that's interesting. It's been since 2011, or since then, that anybody's actually bothered to do a brake pad test, changing out rotors, and they did it with an E46 M3, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was then, but nothing now. Nothing Nearly actually 10 updated years of technology new, since then. To wow. my knowledge at this point. But Chris, yeah, yeah. again, thanks for sending that. You can go dig for that on the m3post.com forums. Cool. But that's kind of interesting. I mean, they did a thorough job, but yeah, for sure. nothing for since sure. then. So Grand Tournay, thanks for the question. And then we just finished up uh, an episode where we were talking about a Twitter question from Mogwai Injustice, who was asking about the transmissions. <laughs> And I you was remember making this question. a joke of it. Yeah, he you was kind saying, of were. if there was going to be one transmission in the world, what would it be? And I was like, isn't well, it already? It was, it's it was the sort of CF. what transmission you know, yeah. is the most widely used or yeah, what yeah. do we think would be the most widely used? But yes, as it turns out, Nick H. wrote to us and it says it looks like 21 manufacturers and 83 models of that ZF 8-speed transmission, not including sp- separate uses such as all-base V6 Grand Cherokees and the Trackhawk. But 23 car manufacturers, 21 car manufacturers, and 83, 83 models. models. What he's saying is if you have a model that has multiple variations, that's still counted as one. Which means this is software, guys. This is just software to <laughs> you're, make it, you're absolutely well, it's going right. to feel different for the Jeep than feel different for the mm-hmm. Hyundai, BMW, whatever else it's used in. The, the Jeep, think about this real quickly. The, the Grand Cherokee, okay, the Alfa Romeo Giulia Quadrifoglio, mm-hmm. and the Supra. Those are the three most divergent I can think of off the top of my head that all have that same well, transmission. Well, they all do very different with things. With different tuning. Mm-hmm. Different, essentially, computers, essentially, what exactly not, your, right. to your software point. I know, I know there's a lot of variations here, but those are the first three I can think of that are the most divergent cars, same transmission with different, essentially, code over the top of it. And honestly, in all three of those applications, it's good. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it's amazing how much it can vary with the same essential basic parts. Yeah. Astonishing. Guys, thank you for writing in that information. Really appreciate it. And hopefully that's helpful for you guys listening because I did want to cover that. So uh, anyway, thanks again. Jump into car debates. First of all, from Ben J in Wichita, Kansas. He writes to us with his Jetta problem. He has written to us in the past. He said about a primary car. And before we could even answer the the debate, he made the trip (laughs) from Wichita out to Windsor, Colorado. I know Windsor. I grew up not too far from there in Fort Collins. And he picked himself up a manual 2017 BMW M2 in Long Beach Blue. He says he loves the car and uh, definitely understands now why we've recommended it so frequently. Yeah. But with the arrival of this M2, he said, well, it's a little bit precious now. He commutes to it to work and he works at a university. He says a couple days a week I take it to work. But on the days when they get severe weather, he says, I don't want to risk the M2 getting hailed on. Mm -hmm. 
even though he did get a door ding on the second day he took it to work. That makes you not want to take oh, it to work anymore. That's man. the problem. I mean, that's, this is just life. Here's the, here's the other part of this. Ben, I almost bet you if you took it to work now for the next two years, you wouldn't get another door ding. It's just it's like, like that second day in, you get yeah, one and exactly. it scares you off. I bet you from now on it wouldn't happen. Well, he's got Paul parking. He says, I've got a giant parking spot he can usually get, but it's not guaranteed, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so there's no real option to leave campus at any time because if he leaves for lunch, say, that spot might get taken, of course. Sure, sure. So it's a little inconvenient, but it's solved by his 1997 Mazda B2300 pickup truck that he uses. He's got a 2.3 liter turbo engine waiting in the works. He's waiting to drop this into the truck. So, yes, it's a build project. Project truck. Wow. He says, well, you know, the truck's heater doesn't work and winter's approaching and... I'm not sure if I want to pour the money into it because he's also got a 1984 <laughs> Volkswagen Jetta 1.6 diesel in beige. In in beige. <clears throat> like imagine the perfect beige car mm. that is an extra – and also think of the Jetta. Now makes it, make it boxy in your mind. This is what those first-gen oh, Jettas look it's like. it's the Apple Mac first-generation beige box. It is. I mean, that's a great point. 84 yes. beige Jetta. Mm-hmm. Look up the, the original Jetta and I think – if there were a Jetta on the, you know, a custom build that, you know, everything worked, and to your point, Ben, that it had the 1.8 turbo in it, and everything, you know, power windows, everything worked, and it was fun, and the suspension was right, and, you know, body was clean, that'd be a sweet car. It's it's the Jetta equivalent of that first-gen Golf we drove, which had a newer exactly, engine. Exactly, exactly. The first-gen Rabbit GTI thing that we drove, that has a, like a... 2,000-something Audi engine in it. It's the same kind of idea. You essentially do a resto mod in this crazy, cool-looking, uh, very, very boxy 80s Jetta. cool-looking They are cool-looking. It's amazing the problem how is, cars in the past, we, we you know, discounted them. We're like, ah, that's just an old car. Now we're like, Radwood, that'd be perfect. <laughs> You're right. What a sweet 84 but, but beige the, Jetta, man. The, <laughs> which so is that? a weird sentence. I don't, yeah. I, I've really anyway, actually never said so, that. So there's that. The, the problem is, though, we're, we're actually bumping up against Two project cars because this Jetta, you would that's just right. think you heard two, yes, not one. Yeah, we have we have but the, two. We've got the M two that's too precious, followed by two project cars. Which honestly, it's which one do I want to make run? And, and you'd think the Jetta, <laughs> exactly. you'd think the Jetta, except the Jetta keeps breaking more new more new things. Right yeah. now, he has lost the uh, first and second gears in the five speed transmission. That's problematic. That is a problem. Yes. <clears throat> so uh, yeah, he has a four speed in the garage that works, but he doesn't know if he can take the time and effort to swap that in. So again, because he'd rather be working on the Mazda pickup, truck. which he wants to put a different engine in. Uh-huh. Are you seeing the problem here? There's only so many hours in the day for our poor friend Ben, and he has two project cars, and neither of them work well enough to be the winner beater. Unbelievable. He says, "I don't want to waste money fixing the Jetta." But, you know, what do I do? do we, does he keep the truck as it is mm-hmm. and then turn the Jetta into something hopefully more reliable and fast? Or does he drop kick it down the street to make it somebody else's problem? Because he's been offered 600 bucks by a neighbor. Mm-hmm. Do you notice this? I did see that. He yeah. says, I could just get rid of it, be done with it, wash your hands, walk away. But then what would he do? Because he also says in his email, he adores 80s and early 90s cars. Okay. All right. And All he right. likes having something weird and quirky. I mean, mm-hmm. the M2 notwithstanding... Great car. Yeah, And we do recommend that you drive it as much as possible. Agreed. Just get that thing out and grind on it. Really. Just go drive that. Take the risk to take it to work. I'm going to keep saying it. Look for that parking and just embrace the fact that – look, I I hate door dings too. I know Paul has been enraged many times by door dings. I get it. But at some point you just have to go – do I want to drive the car or not? Yes, I do. And this is yeah. kind of, it, to, to some degree, it's just this is the battle damage that occurs. Right, right. Having it out in the world. 
It does. And speaking out in the world, I just got the Cayman back from Cascade I know Collision, you did. the body shop. Looks phenomenal. They did a great job. Looks really, really good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Side, side note, I'm really, really happy. As you should be. I it saw looks it on the great. way in. They have a machine that pulls the sheet metal back out to its original position from the outside. It attaches the outside, even though they had to you know, kind of get in, yeah. remove the door card, and then yeah. get in from behind. And Lifetime warranty. It actually goes with the car. Pretty cool. Very anyway, cool I'm amazed. Yeah, yeah, so I'm, awesome. I'm very excited. So yes, door dings are a bummer. However, he back to Ben's story here. He's saying he wants a car that's reliable, mm-hmm. that he can drive in the winter, that'll mm-hmm. last that 20-minute commute. You know, it, maybe it can take him to Colorado for a road trip, but it's got to be, you know, reliable, haul a dog. He says, dog's big, but, you know, comfort, comfortable in the back of the Jetta. Manual transmission and a heater. It's rare when somebody <laughs> adds a heater to their list of requirements because we all you know, we generally take assume it it's going to have a heater, yeah. Uh-huh. So he says... I found Japanese imported vehicles. He said Uh-oh. a few cars that spoke to him. Honda Beat. Not really practical, <laughs> but yes, they are cool. All the other 90s K cars. The Toyota Serra. Mm-hmm. He said, who knew they made such a cool looking Tercel? Yeah. And, well, they're too expensive. He looked at the Geo Tracker, the tracker, the teal tracker with the teal wheels. Good grief. Wow. Talk about embracing the oddball. That's, that's amazing, yeah. He said, what about an Isuzu Impulse? 1990 to 94 Center SER, the Mazda 323, Taurus SHO. Okay. Yeah, Yamaha engine in that thing. Yeah, the original, yeah. Subaru Justy. <laughs> I remember that. Oh, my gosh. Contour SVT, Nissan NX2000, or a wagon. Okay. Any wagon. Yeah. So what, do you, what are some fairly weird cars that meet this criteria? Manual, fit the dog, weird and kind of different, but the price point, we haven't mentioned that yet. Okay, yeah. Five grand. Yep. Well, well, th- and this is tough. And this is laid on top of what do I do with the two project cars? Exactly. We've got to decide what do we do and, about the Jetta and, and the And I'm uh, going to say to you, Ben, uh, the Jetta goes. That, that may hurt. You're already entertaining it. Look, you have a neighbor who wants wants to buy it. I say just embrace that. You, you, have, you, have, you have three gears left in the transmission. <laughs> okay, I just want to start the gears there. that don't help you actually start rolling. Exactly, either. you have three gears left. Unless you slip the clutch. It's, it's but... your secondary project car. Even the way you list it here, it sounds like it's second in priority to you with your truck. So all, if it was mm-hmm. first in priority, I might say, yeah, let's find a way to keep it. But it's second in priority as well. I think the Jetta. This is time for it to go. You have a place for it to go. And here's the thing: if it's going to a neighbor, you still have contact with it too. <laughs> That doesn't mean you can still go visit it. Seriously, but it's also not your problem. Okay? <laughs> you can visit it in their garage where yes, it's parked. Yes, you can. Instead All of your garage. Where it's so parked. I think the Jetta goes, let's take this $5,000 and find you something. Now, I, I tried to stay I tried to stay not crazy quirky. I mean, I like a lot of the stuff you've listed the Toyota Sarah I sure. agree with you. It's very very cool. Some of that right-hand drive quirky the K cars are a great example. All that quirky Japanese stuff. But I just think that's that's actually just going a little bit too far. But I like the sensibility of these 80s, 90s cars thing. I have two pairs, two more sporty cars, two more normal cars, and then I have kind of a wild card that I remember having a good experience with that I want to throw out as well. All right. Good, good. I'm kind of with you. That Jetta is cool looking, but yeah, hmm, 1.6 liter diesel, huh? I think your lawnmower might have more power. Probably. It has more gears. The lawnmower (laughs) probably has more gears, honestly. Probably does. Yeah, I like the Jetta, and I, it could be a cool project car, but it seems like that Mazda truck is more of your focus. And I love yeah, that you sent yeah. pictures of all three of your cars. Thank you Very for sending cool. those. Yeah, they look great. 
it just seems like that Mazda is kind of, you know, you like it more. You you want to do stuff more to it. I mean, I, I would say sell both, but I know you want a project car and you need the project car. Yeah. Because you're only getting 600 bucks for the Jetta. So I say call up your neighbor. You can still visit it, to Todd's point. And then I went <laughs> back to the 90s, too, because you were saying 80s and 90s, mm-hmm. which you mm-hmm. love. I was going to say, you know, that wagon, that Saab 92X that you had for a while. Yeah. Can you get those for five grand these days? Uh, are they still above that? Decent ones. The the decent ones are probably just above if you get the Aero. Now, if you don't get the Turbo, you could get one right now for that money. Absolutely, you could. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's a starting place, yeah, as decent. is a 91 Honda CRX. That's, see, that's one of my. my is it really? Models. Absolutely. CRX, Honda CRX. Quirky. The They're golden cool. age of Honda, oh, quirky, yeah. surprisingly good space. You can put a dog back there. Great gas mileage. It's not even the point, but great gas mileage, good stick shift, chuckable personality. Honestly, Honda CRX is up there. Honestly, yeah. if you find one with three hundred thousand miles, it'll run. It'll probably keep running despite yep. anything. Yep. So I looked at those. I looked at Honda Preludes from the same era. You remember that '89 Prelude with the four wheel steering, that rare one? Yeah. Kind of dug that. But then I thought, all right, let's get spicy. Let's go for the 90 to 94 Eagle Talon or Mitsubishi Eclipse. I wondered. I kind of went past those and thought, hmm, I wonder if Paul's going to mention them. That's great that you are. I think that's perfect. I kept going into Mitsubishi Galant land. Remember that VR4? But I don't think they're five grand. No, not the VR4. I think they'll cost you far more than you'll ever want to spend on one. And then I thought, all right, I could keep going into um, very kind of strange land. Uh Uh-oh. 93 to 96 Subaru SVX. That's a that's actually a cool one. The good news about those cars is they were heavy and slow, <laughs> and the first generations, the torque converter actually disintegrated, I was and the say, radiators just stopped working. They just clogged up. I was going to say, I have not heard good things about the reliability of that automatic transmission, but they're very cool. <laughs> so that's why I say not 92, but go to 93 to 96 after they kind of realized, oh, okay. there's a little problems. There, that's post-fix? Get, get okay. later. SVXs. That's very funny. That's very I mean, funny. you know, that little tidy window that made it impossible to really do anything, so mm-hmm. there was really no point, but Giorgiaro design, so, you know, yeah. Italian design. It feels like Subaru. a Countach because you have no working windows. It's crazy. You're yeah. going to feel exotic driving that thing. <laughs> that's Especially a good one. Especially the money like that you'll spend keeping I like it up. It. But that's not where I ended, Ben. I went for, and I found you many versions okay. for six grand and under, because if it's a $5,500 car, I consider that. Mm-hmm. They'll probably take five. <laughs> this is my thinking. Okay, yeah. 94 to 98 Lexus SC300. Those are cool. This had the legendary 3-liter 2JZ engine. Yes, and even though they're really hard to find, you could get them with the manual option. They're very, they're very hard, hard to find. find. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But essentially, you could buy a Lexus badged Supra. Yeah, that's exactly what they were from that era. They are they are to Supra what the G thirty seven coupe was originally to the three seventy Z. Yeah, yeah. It's exactly the right. Lexus more exactly uh, right. use, It's the nicer, more usable luxury car variant of the sports car. Ben, I found you. Remember that 90s green, that Foresty Kelly oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. green? I found you a bunch of those. You know, 5,900, 3,100, tons of them. I found you one, actually, with under 100,000 miles. So, I mean, automatic transmission, but yeah. I think that engine will just run. It's a 2JZ. Yeah, of course it will. And then, I mean, the car's heavier and bigger and that kind mm-hmm. of thing, but you got it for five grand. And it does everything you want, especially if you can find a manual SC300 mm-hmm. that is a rare, quirky, different. You get the cool engine. Yes. You got the manual transmission. You got all that kind of stuff. It's weird. And just to make it weirder and maybe more justifiable, okay. 
back when I was, you know, really in, you know, studying design and, and in yeah, design yeah, school, yeah. I read a lot about the SC300 and the approach that Lexus designers took to designing okay, the car. Okay. They filled balloons full of wet plaster of Paris okay. and squeezed them in shapes in front of a projector. They squeezed the balloons and actually looked at the shapes cast up on the screen uh -huh. to come up with the shapes used as part of the design language for the SC. Is this used as a good thing? Is this looked back on fondly? I, I guess weirdly. Because, yep, yeah, weirdly is appropriate because that makes the animal mood board look normal. <laughs> it kind of does. I mean, you, you honestly, it kind you, of does. You don't have animal mood board. You've gone to balloon animals instead pretty of mood board. Much, pretty, pretty much. Where we are. But full of, you know, really heavy form language and so when you're Grief. squeezing imagine that but then you have to kind of squeeze and hold and then the plaster of paris sets and then that's and, your line and there and there were there were no cell phones to take a picture real quick no. hold it hold it hold it hold it hold it's hold gonna, it. only about another half hour it's you're gonna cracking. be fine it's terrible <laughs> but then so look at that car now with that story in mind i don't think, think it made it better wow unfortunately <laughs> this was the design line this was yeah. part of the design process yeah, yeah. and again this was from an article i read back in the day when they were you know it yeah, was yeah. kind of different form language yeah. that came out then i always really liked that car honestly. it's a cool car i remember the commercial for it early on because it was the first time lexus had done anything where they said we have sporting intentions and the commercial yeah. i had yeah. to find it but what i remember of it the commercial was the car coming out of the garage and blasting down back lanes and going through you know the, the all the leaves that were the fall leaves were on the road and it kicked them all up and all that kind of stuff and oh, the tagline yeah. was something about Spin the kids' inheritance. Oh, sure, you sure. Know, so they were talking to their market segment. Yeah. But they were acknowledging the fact of this is a fun car. I always remember that. It was very cool. That's a great one. I like that a lot. And then, you know, for later iterations with the entire generation that we have now, somebody from Lexus watched the Alien versus Predator movies and thought, you know, that, that that's a grill intake yeah. right there. That's that Predator's that is. attractive. Man, that, that Predator good is front of good looking. Yeah, yeah. Let's do <laughs> more predator we'll maw spindle grill. You're being kind. So okay, I I I love that. That's a great one, and I think that probably trumps anything I've got. But uh, for the two that are more sporty, that are less usable, I did think because these are these are highlights of this company and where has this company gone? Two Nissans. Find yourself a 240SX. Like now, it, like good it. luck finding a 240SX that isn't all Fast and Furious. <laughs> exactly. Did. Held together with zip ties and exactly. decals. Well, if they, went, if they went full drift, that's one thing. But most of them are, I don't know, it's not really a great verb, but Fast and Furious did. Oh, yes, yes. So there's that. I, I was on Body panels dangling. I was on uh, line today looking them up, and I saw one I remember specifically that had that color change purple with Ooh. a black hood. And none of it was uh, done well. Uh. It was all, imagine that, now done badly. Yeah. Okay. But for your money, you can if you can find a clean one. I did find clean ones out there. That's just that's a that's a good, well dynamic car. That's not even the right way to put that. The we dynamic the heck out. We of dynamic that. the heck I'm out of that. Use yes. the dynamic spray gun at that. <laughs> Blam! It's covered in dynamics. <laughs> anyway, no, the dynamics on that car excellent. Rear wheel drive, easy to drive, fun, and it has that great '90s lightness about it. So there's that one. In the same era, Nissan was doing really well. They were. The 300ZX, the Z32 300ZX. Yeah, yeah, if you yeah. get that in a non-turbo, you'll have options. There's tons of them out there. Okay? Yeah, also a car yeah. with a Fast and Furious problem. But if you can find a clean one of that, a non-turbo, you can find it. T-tops. Here's the thing. They're not easy to work on, but in my experience, the non-turbos, non which is what I had, are pretty reliable. So you do okay. have that trade-off. Those are full sporty cars. I don't know. Like, for example, you have a dog. Where does it go? When I had my 300ZX, I took the dog in the passenger seat. She just sat in the passenger seat and looked out the front. Sure. And she, I'll never forget this. Was she, she belted in? No. Oh. She would lean. 
uh, she would lean in corners. Rider it was active. One of the, it was one of the funniest things. I mean, <laughs> belted in. Not, I didn't have a good harness for. Her. I would belt okay. her. I would okay. belt her leash to the. It doesn't matter. But it, she would lean. I'll never forget that. We would go up to mountain roads and actually go up and go for a hike, and the dog would lean into corners. One of the funniest things we've ever seen. <laughs> She's a little old for that now, but she loved it. So the dog can sit in the passenger seat. I have two more normal cars. One of them is that Honda CRX, which you brought up, which is phenomenal. Super cool. Also, find yourself an Acura Integra from this era. Oh, good. Yeah, good. Like it. Uh, that's just, it's got room. It's got great dynamics. That is a real dynamic powerhouse of this era. It was phenomenal. Bigger than the CRX. A nice, clean one of those is one of those things where it's not super oddball, mm-hmm. but you also mm-hmm. never see them. Yeah. Yeah, so not from that era. It, it you seemed, don't. It seems, I, I almost feel like on first blush, it seems mundane. It seems too normal. But then it's like, when did you last, last see one? Yeah. That was just nice. True. That's you true. Know? So Acura Integra. And then I have a bit of a wild card. If you want to, if you're missing, that Jetta, the boxy Jetta. <laughs> Walk down the street to your neighbor's house? You could do that. We're mixing the bo- but we're talking about Japanese 80s, 90s. The mm-hmm. 80s Corolla wagon. Wait. My friend Josh had one. Wow. And he had it almost in that equal beige. He had it in more like a little bit yellower Toyota color. But Those were rear-wheel drive. Box rear-wheel drive. Yes. Holy cow. Yes. Can you find one? I found a couple. They're not out there very common, but the 80s Corolla wagon. It's just going to run. Seek that out. It's going to run. And it was a cool car. And he lost it. Honestly, my friend Josh lost it because of too many parking tickets, and it got impounded. And at that point, he was so broke, he couldn't get it back. Seriously. And that's how that car died. Did it get the boot? Yeah. And towed and It gone. got towed away. One day, he had no car, and he couldn't afford to get it out and to pay the back parking tickets, so he, let it, he just let it go. I have no idea where that car is. It was too bad, actually. We went climbing trips. It was a cool car. No kidding. So that car went away. And then when he finally had enough money made up, made up after the, after a while, I mean, this is the starving actor L.A. syndrome. He went and bought a totally different car and moved forward. Unbelievable. But it was like his car from high school, you know. So anyway, so the '80s Corolla wagon. I'm a little bit out in left field there, but I think that's an option. Uh, by the way, I have to say, of the things you brought up, I want to back your play on the '90 to '94 Sentra Ser. Those are actually pretty cool. And, oh yeah, and there's right, a lot right. of aftermarket support for that. And that era Mazda 323 also surprisingly good to drive. Yeah, for sure. I would love somebody to have a Mark One Jetta build with like RS3 running gear stuffed up underneath. This isn't going to encourage Ben. Looking. Get rid of that, by the way. I know, but you're talking about the Singer version of the, the Jetta. Oh my gosh, there it is. That's the new. Somebody's got a no. T-boned RS3, and you pull the Quattro drivetrain and five-cylinder engine out of that thing, stuffing in a Mark One Jetta. Nuts. That would be quite a build. Would that tear that car apart? I mean, I don't. You might know. have to reinforce the everything. Hmm. Reinforce the everything is the yeah. rest of that sentence. Yes, but then you could spray the dyna- dynamication. You could, you could spray it? dynamics all dynamic, over. Dynamic, yeah. dynamic yeah. ability. Yeah. It, it, I don't right, know. That's terrible. Yeah. We've got folks from around the world who frequently ask us about the roads we shoot on, but they also ask us about great driving roads near them. Now there's an app that will help anyone worldwide discover and share the best driving roads everywhere. Driveline app allows you to easily record and classify your favorite road. You can even mark great pit stops and attach photos and videos if you like. With Driveline, you can follow people in great areas. You can search an area you've never seen, and if you find a route you like, you select Drive It, and you'll be guided to the beginning of a new favorite drive. You can even earn points and patches for your activity on the app. These build up toward actual car giveaways. That's right. As the community grows, Driveline will be giving away cars to members, and your postings and drivings get you entered to win. We've never seen anything like this, and we love the mixture of community and great drives. You can get in early right now to help shape the app and the community as well. Download Driveline to your phone today, start sharing your favorite roads, meet other drivers, and find a new route for your next adventure. 
Summer is finally here, and with that comes sunshine and blistering hot car interiors. You know, the leather seats that you thought were a great idea until you scald your legs. Luckily, all you need is a custom sunscreen from our friends at Covercraft. They're awesome. They're amazing. These foldable sunscreens fit perfectly in the windshield of your car and keep your car cooler when you're off enjoying the sunshine. These custom sunscreens come in a variety of colors, and they're an affordable and simple way to keep your car cooler in the summer and protected from damaging UV rays all year long. We swear by our custom sunscreens. I, I love it. It's one of our very favorite car accessories. Remember, you can get 10% off your car sunscreen by using the code every day right now at Covercraft.com, or you can follow the link from our sponsors page. You may not be buying a car right now, but you're probably still looking. We're all looking. We're all looking all the time. And it seems there's always a new place to search. That's why we love Autotempest.com. With Autotempest, you only enter your search one time and you see the results from Cars.com, eBay, all of Craigslist, and many more. Or you can jump over to AutoTrader and CarGurus without entering anything new. So if you're looking for fun or you need a car right now, don't go all over. Start at Autotempest.com. All the cars, one search. We've all got a to-do list. Drop off the dry cleaning, pick up some milk. I've got an idea. Let's add save hundreds of dollars on your car insurance to that list. And the good thing is, you don't have to drop off or pick up anything. All you have to do is go to Geico.com, and in 15 minutes, yes, you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance. Having extra money in your pocket might be the most rewarding thing you do today. A quick PSA about the SEMA show. That is November 5th through the 7th, 2019 at the Las Vegas Convention Center, and Todd and I are going to be at the Covercraft booth on Thursday, November 7th, from about 10 a.m. to noon. So if you're at SEMA and uh, you're in the area, would love to see you come by and say hello. Joseph B. on Long Island, New York, writing to us. All right, so he's a mechanical engineer living on Long Island, and he said a few months ago he transferred to a new job with a nice pay bump. Congratulations. That's awesome. He says, unfortunately, this new position and the job has changed his current four-mile, 10-minute commute Ooh. to 50 miles round trip with about an hour of traffic Ooh, each way. I just went the wrong way. Wow. But the pay bump went the right way, which that's means a, yes, that's the trade-off. Yay, he's writing that's for us to spend it. Yep. <laughs> So uh, that's really in. what it breaks You're down to. Is, am I right. wrong? Guys, I have more money in a longer commute. Let's buy a car. Got a promotion. Let's buy a car. Right to us. We yes. get the promotion quick. All right. So he said the current daily at the time, his, he said his 1994 Jeep Wrangler wasn't cutting it. But here's his dilemma. He's married with kids on the rise in the next few years. He's raced all his life and would love to get a car he can take to the track. Okay. But he said he and his wife love camping and regularly take the Jeep out to National Forest to go camping. Okay. okay. All right. Cool. Right. Like it. He says, part of me wants to keep the Jeep because, you know, I've all put all this time into it. He's made the Jeep he's always wanted. Well, exactly. Honestly. Exactly. Yeah. And then he said, well, maybe I could get a fun car he could take to a track day and then keep the Jeep for beach outings and camping trips mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. you know, beanies with guitars around the campfire. <laughs> What maybe. you built? I, I he think built he, an ad for that. He, Marketing people would love. This. He, he built the older version of that that is probably far cooler, but and more legitimate. But anyway, so yeah, different headgear then, not not beanies, the, fewer beanies. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Tambourines involved at all? <laughs> you're trying so hard to land the plane. There's still, a but fire. you're right. There's somebody in a marketing department that would really like to talk to Joseph. All right, all right. So he says, if it goes this way, he would be looking for something that would satisfy the speed urge. But he says. Unfortunately, I think I need the automatic because of the traffic. Okay. Fair enough. All right. All He's right. given us two budget options, but mainly we need to be thinking about the future, and mm -hmm. we need to be thinking about the fact that he has written to us asking for the Swiss Army knife of cars. If he gets rid of the Jeep, it has to do everything. If he gets rid of the Jeep. Very, very well. Think about this. Commute, yeah. camping trips in the National Forest, mm -hmm. and track time. Yep. 
that's a pretty broad spectrum there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. we come back to oftentimes recommending two cars for the job. Yeah. 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 You know, and spending less on each, totally. but you know, it keeps your costs down and that kind of thing. But one car to rule them all. One that's, ring. You worked yeah, on that. There we are. We're so back to, we're back back to, to Lord. Of, it all right, always comes back to Lord of the Rings. Right? It's crazy how that happens. Yeah. All right. So first of all, the budget for option one is fifteen to twenty thousand. This this is keeping the Jeep. To keep the Jeep option. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Preferably rear wheel drive. Comfortable in traffic, of course. Decent gas mileage. Good to drive. Maybe there's a track day involved. Reliable. Okay. The other option, budget number two, goes up from fifteen to twenty thousand for budget one to twenty to twenty five thousand for budget two. Maybe even as much as thirty. Maybe yeah. thirty, and he says, you know, this would be selling the Jeep that opens up some funds. Now it needs to be decent in snow up to a few inches, traffic, gas mileage, fun to drive, maybe track days. And go camping. And go camping. That is really broad, yeah. I'm having trouble, to be honest, with okay. the car that does it all that can also do the track duty. I see that. I see that. Because we can suggest the middles for every, you know, it'll kind of do that and it'll kind of, well, it's not the greatest gas mileage over here. And I suppose you could track it kind of car, but mm-hmm. I don't want that for you. Yeah. Well, not with his background either. Yeah. Joseph, I want I want you to get to the track car because... I think it's not a priority in your life, even though you're a racer and yeah, you know yeah, yeah. You, your priorities are kind of changing right now. I feel like it's maybe a hmm. I'm kind of you know maybe more pinpoint with my track time or pinpoint with you know track experiences because you and I have suggested for other listeners instead of buying a track car right away, what about going and collecting experiences hmm. using yeah, other track sure, cars, sure, sure, whether yeah, it be yeah. a you know an OEM experience. Or going to rent a car like mm-hmm. we do, go on the mm-hmm. pilgrimage trip, you yeah, know, yeah. things like that, and going to collect a bunch of experiences before you go ahead and purchase something, and maybe you come back and you say, "All right, I'm all in with Spec Miatas, mm-hmm. and I'm getting a Miata or whatever." Yeah. yeah what yeah. about that kind of consideration? So that is floating around in my head as mm-hmm. I've been looking mm-hmm. at it. But to be honest, I've kind of put the track car. I've kind of tabled that. Over interesting. Here. Okay. All right. Well, Joseph, one of the things I find interesting, uh, comparing and contrasting you with the first half of the podcast with Ben, you have the mostly finished project car. I get the sense a few he years does, ago you were does. where Ben was with his pickup, where you're almost there. <laughs> Would you the, like to buy an 84 Jetta? No, it's not where I'm going. It's not where I'm going at all. The, <laughs> I'm going to do it one of these days. You are. I know Pink you are. Pink slips. And, and My big concern is Joe's that we present. just hear the door creak as you leave and you're done with the podcast and I'm standing <laughs> so, here by myself going, huh, well, that's not going to be nearly as good now. Mike drop. Joseph, how about a beige Jetta diesel? I want to go with no. The, the thing about the 94 Jeep Wrangler is it's clear from your description here that you have got it just like you want it. And you love it for its proper use. Mm -hmm. We're going to go somewhere with camping gear. That sounds, honestly, that sounds perfect. Hmm. So leave that alone. I'm only doing the variation here where you keep the Jeep. I I think if you try to go with the one car for everything, you're going to find yourself compromised at many, many turns. It's going to be... Double entendres, many entendres Exactly. It's going to be good enough, but not excel anywhere. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So since the exactly. Jeep has got its area where it not only really works well for you, but you also love it and you have it set up. This is the Jeeps are Legos. Wranglers okay. are yeah. what did you do to yours? Okay. <laughs> when we had the, the JL yeah. uh, Wrangler Rubicon that we took to Moab, I remember yeah. in that week we had it, I actually took it to our local Cars and Coffee. And this one guy that had, uh, a, he oh, had a JK, yeah, right. he walked around in circles and finally kind of sidled up next to me to talk about it. And, and he was a little like on edge. A little frustrated. I was like, what's going on? He goes, that from the factory has everything I put on mine. 
and he probably ended up spending and more than you can buy that brand he new. He was frustrated by the fact that Jeep had just kind of done what he had kind of curated. My point here, mm-hmm. Joseph, is you have curated your Wrangler to be yours. Leave it alone. Keep it. Mm-hmm. Okay? Keep mm-hmm. it for what it's good at. So now I'm chasing a car, roughly 15 to 20 grand, rear-wheel drive, comfortable in traffic, decent gas mileage, enjoyable to drive, could handle a track day and be reliable. I actually like that So list. this is budget option number one. I'm only doing that. Okay. I'm only doing right, that. All right, fair enough. I have three different ones I want to mention, and I even have a wild card. Wow. I have to say it. We are talking automatic here. This is the problem with the auto in this scenario, because the auto of some of the cars I'm going to mention is not as good as it would be in manual, but I understand why the auto. Look, I had an auto automatic sports car because mm-hmm. I was in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. I get it. MX-5, drive one. Can you get – I don't think that the NDs – well, maybe. You might be able to find an ND automatic, the latest gen automatic, already down under 20. Maybe. Maybe. The thing is the very Tough. early NDs, fourth gen, had some of them had manual transmission problems. So you right. have avoided that. Right. We have driven the ND in auto. We had it on uh, that hardtop version we had with an auto. That is a decent automatic. It's not stellar, but it's mm-hmm. decent. Yeah. So get an automatic, look at an automatic Miata, and just see if it's for you. You could maybe end up in an NC, which would also, I've driven that in automatic, also decent. Not stellar, but decent. Sure. That would be great gas mileage, perfectly reliable. Yes, you could track it. Sure. The track is sure. the one place you're not going to like the automatic. Otherwise, you're going to be fine with it. Right. The track is going to be like, oh, but otherwise, great. But then you're going to think about your commute and be fine with it. Gas mileage, it does everything else. In a similar vein, if we want to go further into do it all, and have really good automatics, GTI with a DSG. Okay. Perfect commute Okay, car. like and that. And yes, you can track that car. Yeah. So GTI with a DSG. I mean, you can track a Unimog. It just, you, can you know, tra- what's your you level can, of You're right. You can track it. But I'm saying so. the DSG on track is going to feel pretty close to what you're hoping for. It's yeah. not quite, but yeah. it's going to feel pretty close. And then I have to say it. You might be the perfect 86 buyer. Hmm. BRZ or FRS. That is a six-speed automatic that I genuinely like. It's oh, not dual clutch. Okay, okay. I know where you're going to go in a second. I'm going to head you off at the pass. All right, all right. But, but it's it's not a dual clutch, but it's a genuinely good actual six-speed automatic. There's no CVTs there. In a world where Subaru is selling in a world. Yeah, I was going to say, please do the voice. <laughs> if you're going to say that, you have to do the voice. In a world where Subaru is selling. Sorry. Where uh, Subaru is the best they're, sell, they're selling CVTs like crazy. There's an actual six-speed auto in that. They're BRZ. slinging ash, too. They're selling okay. cars and selling CVTs. So, uh, and, and it listens to the paddles. Get your popcorn. I've driven one of those on track, Mm -hmm. and it's solid. So that's a decent track car with automatic. Now, you are going to say it's not a good commuter. I think it depends on the commute, and it depends on how much you like those seats. The reason I think it works as a commuter for Joseph is because this is a guy who does distance in a Wrangler. So his level of tolerance for comfort is not somebody coming out of a luxury car. (laughs) It's far Those seats are great. Those seats are great, and you're going to get really good gas mileage in that car. I think you're a great buyer for that. That is actually my favorite here, but I still have a wild card. Hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, so we'll come back to your wild card because in the meantime, I've been thinking about SUVs, even though I don't love it. Okay. But I started in SUV land, and I've been really trying hard over here. I don't love any of my choices, except I did come across one that I've been re- recently recommending. So forget all the SUVs, Joseph. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Listener whiplash. You were going into SUVs and now you're leaving them? Totally. Okay, go on. Because, to Todd's point, you do have that Jeep. Mm-hmm. And I'm going for budget number one where you keep it. Okay. I'm saying it doesn't sound from your email like you're ready to get rid of it. 
I agree. I you didn't write to us saying, all right, I'm ready to sell this puppy. Yeah. I've built it for, you know, to make a good pile of cash. But it's and, time. Let's sell the Jeep. You know, now what yeah. do I get? No, I have yeah. not gotten that I idea. Agree. I'm getting some remorse and wistfulness here. I think you're right. So budget number one, and I'm saying experiences for the track car because okay. coming from experience as a racer means I want you to have more experience before you go buy a dedicated track car unless you know you know, the series or whatever, you know, autocross or whatever it is you want to do. If you already know that, which you have not mentioned to mm-hmm, us, mm-hmm. wonderful. But I haven't sensed that either. Yeah. I've sensed you've done a lot, but there's so much more to explore. So go have those experiences and wait a little bit because your email also indicates this is a low priority. So what I've come up with is keep the Jeep and go buy yourself a slightly used Volkswagen Golf Alltrack. Oh, Okay. All right. It All is right. the wagon version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's new, automatic, turbocharged. Yeah. And keep in mind, if anything about what I've said has you skittish about, yeah, but is it going to run? Keep in mind, Volkswagen's six-year, 72,000-mile apology tour warranty. The apology tour continues. Man, yeah. we can't spell diesel anymore, but here's an awesome warranty on the entire powertrain that I did read transfers f- with the car. Yeah, yeah. I made sure of that because if I'm going to tell you to get a used one, slightly used, mm-hmm, and they're mm-hmm. in the t- they kind of vary wildly. The you know 2019s are like 32 with a few dealer miles on them. You can find them over here for 19 with 60,000 miles. Sure. On them. So sure, shoot sure. for yeah. right in the middle, right yeah, at the top okay. end of your $20,000 budget, and that warranty transfers. That's good. All right. So that should take the sting out of things. Okay. If All there right. is, I think it'll be great. I think they're cool looking. Mm-hmm. They're going to go away shortly. It'll be unique. Yeah. And yeah. then in the meantime, you haven't, you've got the two cars, even though I know your email says you don't have currently have a garage or a project car would be an option. So that's also why I've backed away from the track car mm, kind okay. of thing. All right. All right. So, all right, keep, you know, collecting experiences and tucking those away in your hip pocket. And then, all right. I know, you know, I really like autocross or I really like sure, sure, you know, sure. whatever yeah. that is. And then we can explore maybe some inexpensive Miatas or an 86 at that point that will be, you know, maybe. easy on the budget yeah. as far as consumables. Never know what's, you know, happening with your growing family. Obviously, we want track time to continue to be a priority in life, but we know sure. things change. Sure, sure, of course. Of course. So I'm really, yeah. I'm doing my best to come in here and be very realistic. You're with, being surprisingly adult about this. I, yeah. I'm doing my best. Today's adult day, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really thinking that all track is pretty cool because it's got that, you know, kind of Audi look to it. It, it looks like, it looks like a shrunken all, all road. Honestly. Yeah, yeah. And I like it. They're very cool looking. Yeah. And it's just, that's good. I, I think it'll be great for you, honestly. And that it'll take the sting out of, out of your commute, but that on light off running, it's even got off road mode. I mean, Volkswagen yeah. shows with mud splashing out of the fenders. And if they do it in the marketing, if it must be true. It, yeah. It's gotta mm, be true. Clearly. Cause it's on the internet. So it's on the internet. Yeah. I'm saying, you know, they, they've got off road mode on that thing and you could <laughs> bounce lightly around a national forest, but you still got your Jeep. If you're going to go bombing through Moab. Very interesting. All right. Okay. That's where I'm at. I have to mention the wild card real quickly because it struck me really, really late in this consideration for Joseph. Okay. And I thought, wait a minute, wait a minute. Car he could track, car he can commute. Those are divergent realities. They are. They are. But gets decent gas mileage. Also kind of not while working together, but okay. (laughs) Can get them for under 20 grand, rear wheel drive. So, okay, this is... It's a tall order. It's not an easy list. And then I landed here. My wild card for you, Joseph, is an automatic C6 Corvette. Go reclaim that car from the people that drive it terribly. 
because mm. you know that car is going to get high 20s gas mileage in commuting. You don't, and the mm. automatic, the automatic Corvettes don't hang on to value as well because the enthusiasts are seeking out the manual transmission ones. What are those? Well, the, well, eighteen, twenty-five. I found a ton of them. I went twenty thousand dollar show me Corvettes, and it was amazing how many C sixes were out there. So that's I found a Grand Sport Auto C six. And that's for twenty grand and track commute and track in and decent gas mileage because mm-hmm. those cars get decent gas mileage. The upper gears are just about gas mileage. Go reclaim the automatic Corvette for an enthusiast, Joseph, <laughs> and enjoy that car on the commute. And if you get to track it, bonus, and it's going to be solid. See if you can get that Grand Sport. Grand Sport at twenty grand in an automatic. That's a good buy. We know C five Grand Sports. Or no, I'm thinking Z06. You're thinking Z06s. Yeah, Grand Sport C6. Okay, maybe, C's, maybe. I did. I found an automatic C6. Grand Sport Interesting. for twenty grand. I mean, I found a lot of other options, but I thought, thought that one was like, that's actually a really cool buy. You're not using this. I'll take this from Seriously. you. Seriously. You know they're going to have no mileage. So anyway, go reclaim that car for an enthusiast. I, it's been a while, Joseph, since Todd and I have been so wildly divergent. Yes, we were totally so off you've the got, yeah. uh, You've got some decision-making to do. We would love an update at some point when you get around to it. And uh, pictures, please. But yeah, write us <laughs> for car conclusions because we're, we're very curious. This is... This is very divergent. Yeah, we, we weren't anywhere close to each other, which is very cool. I like it. Very interesting. All right, cool. Well, write to us with your own debate, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com or on the website, everydaydriver.com. Yep. And in the top right corner under the About tab, you can say, Contact Us. Mm-hmm. Same. It works just great. So thank you, for you guys, for your stories and your awesome emails. Keep it yeah, coming. that's great. And uh, hopefully you can glean something out of this for your own debate if we are not able to get to yours. But please keep your stories coming. We do read them all. We do genuinely read yeah, them all. Yeah, we do. We sometimes we're just like buried in them, but we love getting them. Thank you. We guys. are buried for sure. So many good questions. Speaking of things we're buried in, there's so I, honestly we could do almost a whole podcast just no. the questions I've picked. We need to do another one. It's it, an all it's questions coming up. Podcast. It's coming up. We'll do one for sure. Maybe maybe we'll do fifty. Well, of I mean, all cars, all car questions. Maybe we'll do fifty then, of no cars and like fifty one will be all cars. Maybe we'll do that. I'm just I'm throwing it back. out there. Okay. That could be fun. Maybe That'd be a fun week. Anyway, we'll figure it out. Uh, Matt Tarico, I'm going to start here because these are fighting words in this question. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Do we think it's ever acceptable to cross over the double yellow lines in order to pass a slow-moving vehicle? Ooh, that, that's a – what's in this room for a – It's Ow. rakes and landmines and, like, randomly lobbed grenades. Totally. I mean, this is, this is fighting words, There's a Matt. cliff halfway through the room. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk both sides of this, okay? Ultimately, I, I will say this. Guys that ride motorcycles are the most militant people about double yellow crossers on the planet because they are the ones that get killed. This okay? is true. Having said There's that. There's exceptions to that, though. Having said that, I have rarely seen as much egregious double yellow line crossing as guys on motorcycles. Agreed. So, Agreed. so both of those realities exist in the same world. I totally agree that if you come around a corner on a bike and there's a car in your lane, you are in horrible trouble and that driver is the jerk. But I have done many, many mountain roads where I found the guy on the sport bike coming in, coming at my grill and I'm in my lane. Well, they so, also lean over the double yellow too. They can be yes, in their lane yeah, and they're point. leaning out fair, over the double point. yellow into yours and fair that point. is not good. So all of this to say, Matt, this is why this is fighting words, okay? We have people listen to this podcast that are motorcyclists and I, I – Hat tip to you guys. And, and our most motorcycle enthusiast, Nate. Yes, who, who does motorcycle reviews for the podcast. Yeah. I mean, for, for the website. Uh, so there's the thing. I hear both sides, I, and I get both sides. And ultimately, we have to be safe, period. Okay? Having said this, I want to go to the other side of the equation, and that is this. Speed limit signs and the yellow lines on the road are set up for the slowest cars out there. 
they are set up for the least capable vehicles. If a, if a, mm-hmm. if a, if a sign for a hairpin says 20 miles an hour, it's because anything coming down that road can do it at 20. Exactly. Exactly. So obviously, if you're coming down it in a well-set-up sports car, you can go over 20 and still be well within the limits of the car. Not the speed limits posted, Simon. I'm talking limits of the car. These double yellow passing zones or non-passing zones are set up for the slowest essential passing car can still make it happen. So if it opens up, they think something slow can do it. My point here is passing is entirely based on visibility. Mm -hmm. Even if you have a wide open lane, if you can't see, you can't do it. So your double yellow passing, yes, you're being illegal. Yes, you're being dangerous. If you have the capability of doing it in clear road and clear visibility in the car you're in, hey, I've done it. But you're taking taking a calculated risk there because you have to know your car will make it. There's no questionable, well, maybe I'll. Don't don't just give it a shot. No, no. Okay? And honestly, any pass I've ever done ever and any pass we do for the show, and we do some fast driving for the show, anytime, anytime we're doing passing, it's all about visibility beginning and end. It's sight lines for sure. I want to add to that, and that is if somebody does come up on you and it feels like they're crowding your space and you do have the opportunity to pull off. Pull off. May I politely encourage you to pull off? Yes. Because it yes. can actually be more dangerous when that person is trying to pass you yes. and makes a mistake in their haste to mm-hmm. get around you. You're kind of causing the problem or you know, the car that's not letting you by. And when mm-hmm. three or four turnouts go past and you think, all right, now you're just Come being on. deliberate. Yes. There's no reason. Nobody gains anything. You, there's no satisfaction gain. There's no nothing. It can only end worse than if you just pulled off. Not trying to do anything. It's not an insult. It's just it's not an ego thing. Off. It's not. And in Germany, when we're there on the, on the autobahn, yeah, it's not an ego thing. It's more of a hey, I'm kind of assisting the flow of traffic because there's always somebody faster than you. Always. And when you get over, it's not like well, harumph. They passed me. That means my driving skills aren't up to par. And I'm, no. I'm not a good person. Or no. no, you just got over and you let them by because mm-hmm. they chose to go faster than you. I've been on plenty of mountain okay. roads. Totally. I've been on plenty of mountain roads where a, a pack of bikers, I may be going quick, but a pack of bikers finds me. Sure, sure. And I find a turnout. Yeah, Because absolutely. I know that most of the guys on that sport bike group, generally the guy in the lead will find a spot on double yellow and get past me. Or the but space the guy, between the car, yes. the left side of the car, but, and the double and yellow. I'll, and I'll also cut, tuck right. But but uh, but what I typically find is if you've got a pack of bikers like that, the guy at the back is probably the weakest rider, mm-hmm. and he's going to want to keep up with the group. I typically find that. Mm-hmm. So a pack of bikers finds me on a back road. I find a turnout. Yeah. Because if you if you fast enough to find me, then you you take the lane, man. Just have at it. Yeah, I don't. I'd, I'd rather you didn't pass double yeah. yellow. I've done it. They've done it. But I'd rather none of us did. Bradley J. Nineteen eighty three asking on Instagram, what are the less obvious methods automotive designers use to improve forward visibility? Hmm. Because a lot of people are asking about the new C eight Corvette. The embargo has lifted at this point, and a lot of information as far as specific numbers, weights, and measurements are coming out about the car. Even though everybody at this point at this recording is only driving pre-production cars. Which Production cars key. are it's not available key, yeah. yet as of this recording again. So keep that in mind. But he's read the C8 might have worse visibility than the C7. Finding this surprising as mid-engine that should theoretically only help with forward visibility. Keep in mind that when you're starting a fresh project like this... The, the platform for the C8 did not exist. They're mm-hmm. not building true. on anything else. True, true, yeah. Brand new. So it absolutely comes from the package, first of all. They've got to define the package. When I say package, I mean a left side view of the car, 
and you're packaging the elements that go in it, the main things, the people, first mm-hmm, of all, mm-hmm, yeah. the engine, the motor, whatever that is, and the storage space, should there be any. So mm-hmm. you're packaging all the elements of here's about, you know, hip height and head height and what they yeah, call yeah, yeah. that human being, that side view of the human being is the Oscar. And so they have a 95th percentile <laughs> Oscar yeah. that represents the tallest big guy that could be in. And then they have the smallest female Oscar at the, you know, at the other end of the scale, sure, say 50% sure. of that. And so they've got to actually kind of fit that in there and start to really package the dimensions. But mm-hmm. then sketching begins okay. and concepts are generated and it's got to obviously meet design briefs and packaging and all that stuff. But especially on the C8 Corvette like this, it stems from a lot of sketching and then the interior model is built. But what's most important is H point because that determines where your eye point is. Mm-hmm. And depending on, of course, you know, the design of the car, the flying buttresses in the back. Sure. I mean, the mail slot of the 300C when it came out was a very different proportion, mm-hmm. as is the new Camaro. Yeah. It's a yeah. very different proportion. It's hard to see out of. But the trade-off is, man, those proportions look pretty great. Well, and with with few Same exceptions. with the C8. With few exceptions, mid-engine cars typically have got fantastic forward visibility, but pretty bad visibility otherwise. A lot few of exceptions. Them do. The Cayman is one of the real successes of having a bubble cockpit. The original NSX, another huge successful yes. bubble cockpit. Yes. But mid-engine generally creates fantastic forward visibility. If you get it right, my Lotus is this way, it's just glass, and you see a little hint of the fenders, and you just see pavement. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. But looking out the back three quarters of the Lotus, very difficult. The blind spots are massive. That's not that uncommon in mid-engine. Mm-hmm. So what comes into play is as soon as designers get to a point where they've got to start talking to the engineers and manufacturer, mm-hmm. you know, the people that actually just build the thing, it depends on the company. And, and like I said, depending on the sheet metal strikes and depending on, you know, of course, H points, I points, but it, it's such a recipe. It's so amazing to me that some car companies can use the same materials and get a completely different result. Yeah. yeah. But there's a lot of, um, a lot of people to satisfy, we'll say, Some, <laughs> especially at GM. Yeah. And the car needs to look a certain way, and we've got to you know, fit this here, and we've got to bring this element in, and we've got to appeal to our customer base, and we've got to you know, still make a new design and all this. I, I can't imagine. And it's got to look meetings. like a Corvette and because of meetings. what that means. Yeah. So what they've come up with is a car that is brilliantly compromised, as we've mm-hmm, talked about. Mm-hmm. And I think that many reviewers, and we will when we do drive the car, that it's so compromised in a number of areas, it's nearly perfect. They've that's my, an amazing number of boxes. Uh, that's, that's my yeah. blunt, not having driven it statement yet, things could change. Well, listen to our whole C8 discussion when it was first unveiled. I don't know that another sports car has ever come out needing to do so many conflicting mm-hmm. things, mm-hmm. which is really hard. I mean, imagine lowering the sill, the shoulder of the door, and wanting that to come down. Well, then suddenly, will the window drop completely in the door? Mm. Will that meet mm, that's you know, crash point, yeah. standards? Will yeah, that that's a great point. meet where we want to have that internal door beam? Yeah, great point. Oh, no, we got to move it up a few mils. That, okay, so that changes the design, the proportion. Well, that impedes on visibility. Well, which is more important? Wow. Crash yeah. standards, visibility, wow. manufacturing, which You're is right. it? Who wins? You're right. You're right. I hear <laughs> it, you. It's that's, endless that's with funny. every element of that car. Oh, the meetings. Oh, my gosh. Oh, the meetings. So that's yeah. why I keep marveling at the fact that, A, they did it. Mm-hmm. Congratulations, mm-hmm. they did it. Completely, yeah. But if it ends up because of the design, and well, you know, designers won on that one, or maybe not, or whatever that yeah. issue is, designers won, and, well, they want it to look like this. Well, 
if you're not looking forward out of the windshield, then you're missing the point of the car because it has so much power or whatever, you know? Yeah. So the design wins on that, that crazy standpoint. So it's, it's just a big, as with any car I know, but it's, it's pretty interesting to, to see. I'd love to hear more stories behind the engineering team as to you know, why they arrived at those shapes. And I don't know, I've got more commentary on, but I'll, I'll, let it die for now. And, and we'll get to drive the car eventually, and there exactly. will be more commentary. Exactly. Instagram, I've got like six questions, and we're going to get like two more. <laughs> a. McFarlane on Instagram says, at what point do we consider replacing the OEM R-Compound tires, in this case, Sport Cup 2 tires, that came on his car with a lesser tire, like Pilot Super Sports? What would be the reason for doing that? I hear what your reason is. Mm. You've burned through those Sport Cup 2s, and you have to buy tires, <laughs> and you've seen A, the price, and B, how many, how few miles you get on them. Uh -huh. and went, what am I doing? Should I down? Great. Honestly, what I'm going to say here is you need to weigh the kind of driving you do against the tires that you have. And that, that counts for when we even talk winter tires. But I'm going to go a, a layer beyond it. If you are more prone to deal with weather than track days, mm -hmm. go with the Pilot Supersport. Mm -hmm. Because those Cup 2s, we had uh, GT3s with us on the pilgrimage trip, and we had a rainy rain tour day, a road tour day. And we were, there was careful stepping yeah, going on with those Cup 2 on GT3s because it was, you know, here's a rainy Autobahn, rainy enough that the wipers can't keep up, and you're in a GT3 on Cup 2s, and everybody slowed way down. <laughs> So, so that's the thing. But I, but I thought about it in those terms. We were even told, and we told the people on the trip with us, think about the fact you're in Cup 2s, and it's a rainy day. I come back to you, A. McFarlane. If you're dealing with weather and you don't go to the track, yeah, get some tires. I don't have the stock tires that go on my Lotus, which are, would be yeah, better right. for track days. But I'm aware of the fact that I'm going to spend more days driving normally and getting that car in a little bit of weather than I am on the track. That's mm -hmm. why I did it. Uh, with the time remaining at this point, I've got to cover the brand new 2020 BMW 2 Series, the Grand uh -oh. Coupe. Many questions about that. Okay. So a quick rundown on the brand new Grand Coupe, just introduced from BMW to come out in 2020. This is not designed by committee. And yes, this is pre-Beaver Teeth. <laughs> No beaver teeth here. Thank you guys for embracing the beaver teeth and helping us. <laughs> Everybody on has. It. To. I really hope that it changes BMW's <laughs> mind, even though I fear it won't. I want to connect it to that, and shortly here, very quickly. Okay. okay. BMW is not designed by committee. It is designed by Element. Now they've, from what I understand, it's a new platform because it's a, a front wheel drive, primarily yeah. heavy with a torsion differential, mm -hmm. front wheel drive with the all wheel drive option. And there's only they're only going to be offering four cylinders. So the the higher version will be the th uh, it'll be 301 horsepower, and this mm -hmm. one is two, 228 horsepower. Okay, so they've got this new package. All right. Yeah. The platform defines the size, the package, and the design brief. What do we want to get out of the car? Mm -hmm. BMW has got to bring a car to market that will meet small car and spacious you know kinds of restrictions in Europe because yeah. it's got to be you know fit in the cities there. Totally, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's also got to fit elsewhere in the world, North America, and it's got to be a good size for people and gear and all that kind of stuff and kind of a hatch. BMW's never really had a true hatchback. That Manx Cat 318, I, I I'm not counting that one. <laughs> so it's designed by element. It's defined as the proportions and the roof height and the packaging the people and gear and the engine. And now look at every element on the car. The kidney grills, look at the lower intakes, the mm -hmm. air intakes, mm -hmm. yeah, which looking. are reminiscent of just about every hot M right now, M car, BMW yeah. car. Yeah, yeah. So we've got the center intake with the trapezoidal shape or you know octagonal shape and the two left and right for exterior venting or, or intakes, 
you know, depending on the performance of that car later, sometimes they're blocked off, sometimes they're not. Yeah. Got the Hoffmeister kink. We've got a nice upward wow. line wrapping around the back bumper that is a highlight catcher, a single line down the shoulder that defines the body line, and the new style of the rear taillights. All actually plopped on the car one by one. What portion with all those BMW elements added to the car? Wow, I'm I'm literally scrolling through photos of this as you're talking, and it's amazing to get almost feel like I'm getting a walk around of the car. Here's the current you're headlight right. shape that we're doing. You're right. It's almost like, and I've said this before, in that Alpha M3 uh, piece that we did. Yeah, for TV. Yeah, it's a style guide. It's a right design it yep. by style guide, especially with the interior. It's a little bit crisper edges, and we've yeah. tightened the radius on that, and you know that's not filleted anymore. Great. But those shapes, those trapezoidal rhombus shapes, mm-hmm. are what's used throughout the interior. We've got the – this is defined. And the problem with why we've arrived at Beaver Teeth is because BMW has locked themselves into this style guide, mm-hmm. applied it successfully. The car looks good, but – they're now wanting to so badly break out because they've locked themselves into this style guide of mm. elements all over the car. Just add those. We've got the proportion. Just add those. If it's an M8, if it's a 2 Series, just add those elements, and you can see where all of it comes from. It's yeah. all defined by the proportion height, yeah. DLO, body side, everything. This is why Adrian Van Hoydunk said... We've got to break out and do something cool and different. So we're going with the beaver teeth. This is this I mean, he is, didn't say beaver teeth, but yeah. hopefully some it I, will trickle down. And I hope he will that get one there. day accidentally somebody in BMW's design department or engineering department lets slip beaver teeth. Oh, surely they've heard it by and now. And just crickets. I hope somebody does it by accident. Everybody just kind of goes, <laughs> "Oh, you're so fired." <laughs> so, but, so by doing all these elements and locking themselves in the yeah. style guide and not allowing themselves more sensual things to yeah. come out. Yeah. They're trying to break out and go, we're doing something different. Guys, that's not the direction. Do something different. Absolutely bring the different. This, but honestly, not the beaver teeth. When I look at this, this could be a Volvo or a Mazda with just the front clip changed. And I think Put your that's finger bad. over the badge. I Trust me, I am. That and the, and the near beaver teeth. This is like adolescent beaver teeth. They're not quite there yet. Right. But, but still honestly, it could, be, it could be a Mazda or it could be a Volvo with very little change. But when you lock yourselves into that again, for the third time, I'm beating this dead horse. Beat it. It's fine. Yes. You've, you've just restrained yourself so much. It's no wonder they're going nuts. Of course they're going Desperate crazy. Desperate to break out. Let's do something crazy and different. And that's why they've got... 21 or 23 new models coming at us, most of them electrified with crazy new design language, and they're just trying stuff, whether it's a graphical yeah, element yeah. or a, just a cut line that shouldn't really belong there or whatever that is. They're they're just trying stuff, We've man. cycled back to the beginning of a new Bangle-style era at BMW mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. the entire lineup goes a completely new direction. Some of it works. Some of it is what happened there, and then it resets <laughs> to a better position. I think we're at the beginning of that cycle of BMW, which too. is weird. I have one yep. last question I want to try to cover really quickly. Michael Henry is asking about electric cars. Now, this is another one of those landmines and, and rakes situations. But he's saying that we were talking just recently about the fact that an electric car loses a little bit of its range in cold temperatures. He'd never even thought of that. So he's saying, wait a minute. I'm actually considering an electric car for my next commuter. Are there anything other other oddball things I should consider? Or are there any other specific cars I should really look at? You definitely need to look at the Chevy Bolt. 
do not ignore that car. Look at the yeah, Chevy Bolt. Also, look at the used BMW i3. They start about forty-five or fifty grand, and they have plummeted. And honestly, I personally have looked at the BMW i3 and gone, "Should that be a winter car at some point?" I really you just want to slide an i3 sideways. Don't I do you? because they're rear-wheel drive, uh, and they're just, not known for great grip. So no. both of those things, I would, I, I genuinely would like to have one. So both look at both of those. Also consider, and I'm going to come back around to full electric, but consider the the near electrics, the the hybrid EVs like the Chevy Volt and the Honda Insight, where they are electrically assisted, but there is a gasoline motor as well, so you don't have to plug them in, okay? Mm -hmm. Consider that because of the big thing I want to say to you, which is infrastructure. Charging infrastructure, if you don't have a Tesla, is currently difficult. It's improving, but it's difficult. Mm -hmm. And you Mm -hmm. cannot charge a car in the time frame you're used to for going to get gas. You just can't do it. All right, and until I don't even know if it's ever going to reach this kind of four or five minute range. I mean, that's going to be hard to f- pull off. So it now becomes a situation like your phone. You get it home at night and you plug it in. So now you need the heavy duty two hundred forty volt charger. You need to spend that money, which has a comma in it. You need to spend that money to get one of those in your home. Are you prepared to do that? Because you do not want to charge on the one ten. It's going to take sometimes sometimes days mm. to charge your car. Yeah. So think about that. Charging infrastructure is the biggest problem. Charge time is the secondary behind that. Beyond those things, an oddity, most electric cars don't have good heaters. They have excellent heated seats because that's ah, easier yes. to keep you warm than try to heat the whole cabin. That's an oddity that many of them pull off. They are solid to drive. They work. They're cool. They're good good commute cars. They're not dynamic <laughs> they do the job very well that they're they designed for. They did not get sprayed for. with the dynamism. They did not. They didn't get the mm-hmm. dynamic spray. They did not. They do the job they're designed for very well. They're coming down in price. Worry about that infrastructure and you'll be happy. Guys, massive thanks for your questions. Honestly, really, really appreciate all of them. I've got like four more. I do, I've yeah. got the rest of Facebook to cover. So we're going to try to get there. <laughs> really, we promise. We're going to leave it there for now. Keep asking. Keep bringing it, guys. Really, really appreciate it. Glad you're with us. Season 5 is available on Amazon. We've, uh, we want to share that with you, so cool. leave us a rating review. Like and also on iTunes for the podcast. The ratings genuinely help both places. They, they, they really, really do. do. Yeah. Really do. And it's good to hear your feedback. Looking forward to next time, everyone. Cheers.